You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Most of us in the world, we spend a lot of time online. We look at social media. That's practically a part of our culture now, just about wherever you're at. If you have a, a cell phone, smartphone, whatever you want to call it, you have instant access to getting online. It could be a, a blessing to, to have that, and it could be a curse. And so we're going to be talking about that very thing. And this episode is how the internal family systems model can help build confidence online with Wendy Kendall coming right up. Welcome to the Mental Health Today show. My name is John Cordray, and I am a licensed therapist, and I am also the host of this show. And I'm very happy that you are here listening in wherever you're from, whatever part of the world you are. You might be driving. You might still be in bed trying to wake up. You might be exercising or going for a walk or going to school. Wherever you are, thank you so much for choosing to listen to the show and being a part of the show. And I, I appreciate you and I don't take you for granted. And some of you might be brand new and you're just kind of checking out the, the podcast. And I appreciate that and really would love for you to, to be a regular listener and to come back. And this is the show is all about mental health. And today in particular, we're going to be talking about being online and social media and how that can affect us, and then how a lot of times it could tear down our confidence and so many other issues. And my guest today is a psychologist. Her name is Wendy Kendall from, and is a co-founder of the Self-Led Practice, the healthy virtual workplace for mental health professionals. So all of you mental health professionals, listen in on this. And if you're not a mental, mental health professional, if I can say that right, I want you to listen too, because this will affect you. So Wendy is a British chartered occupational psychologist and internal family systems practitioner who specializes in helping self-employed psychologists how to grow their private practices. And I love that. And she started her 25-year career as a psychologist for the British Army before moving overseas and running her own talent development consultancy. Wendy, it is great to have you on the show. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me uh, on your show, John. It's really a pleasure. 
Oh, it's great. And just to give some context, tell us where you're at right now. So I am in the southwest of France, just about halfway in between the Atlantic Ocean and the Mediterranean Ocean, and about an hour north of the Pyrenees Mountains. So it's really a very rural area that I am. It sounds beautiful. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> wow, I love it. So, okay, so you're a British Chartered Occupational Psychologist. And uh, a lot of people in the U.S., we, we understand what a psychologist is. But can you tell us a little bit about what, what is a chartered occupational psychologist? Well, the chartered aspect is basically that I'm a licensed psychologist for the U.K. And the occupational part of it is that I deal with everything to do with people in work. And so that's why I got really curious also about how we show up as psychologists or therapists in our workplace, in our private practices. And I think that is such a great topic because a lot of people who are listening to this are either going to therapy and they have a therapist or they've been to, to therapy or they're looking for a therapist. And, and a lot of times people don't really take in consideration the human being that's called their therapist and how important it is for the therapist to work on their profession, but also their personal life. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's coming back to this topic about how do we create healthy workplaces for ourselves? In my experience, what I've seen is that we go into private practice sometimes because something's not working in you know, maybe we're working for a certain employer or working in a certain way and that's just not working for us anymore. And then we go into private practice, but what we do is we bring the habits that we were taught, that we learned into private practice with us and we don't necessarily free ourselves from those what may have been toxic patterns. So that's where I got really curious about it as an occupational psychologist and just really thinking about how can we help ourselves as therapists, as mental health practitioners, to have a mentally healthy workplace for ourselves. Well, I think that's a great topic and a great, a great pursuit of helping other practitioners to kind of think about themselves and what is it that, whether it's a toxic pattern of behavior, or maybe it's something else at work they picked up and they want to go into private practice. And and I always say that even therapists have blind spots. Right. Yeah, definitely. And, and we need help with that. And so that's excellent. But, but before we get into that, I would love to know kind of your backstory and what, what prompted you to become a psychologist? Was that something that you always wanted to do or was it something else that you wanted to do and then you just became one? So it's a little bit of a funny story, and it's not unrelated to this topic, funnily enough, about how media influences us. So I went to university, went to college in the early 90s. And as I was thinking about what did I want to do when I went to university, the big blockbuster movie that was on at the time was The Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yes. <laughs> So it was almost like like zero moment for me. I was sat in the cinema and, you know, this huge screen and there was Clarice Starling running up this path and she was out jogging. She, you know, she was at this FBI campus and she was out jogging and she ran up this path and she got to the end and she was kind of 
huffing and puffing because she'd been running. And there was this sign at the side of her that said, Center for the Behavioral Sciences. And I went, that is what I want to (laughs) do. That's great. Yeah. It was literally as simple as that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it it was the Silence of the Lambs that that movie influenced you. Yes, just from that one scene. Wow, that is amazing. In May, just went that. <laughs> wow, so that's that's pretty amazing. That's great. And so then you became one. And so has it turned out to be like it was in the movies? <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, fewer serial killers. (laughs) That's probably a good thing. Right, exactly. So, so no, I mean, like, you know, what did Steve Jobs say in that commencement speech? You can never join the dots forward. So, no, it certainly didn't turn out the way that I anticipated. But to be honest, I didn't have great, you know, I hadn't constructed a huge story about what it was going to be like. So, you know, it was fine. But, yeah, looking back, the twists and turns have been a little bit, random sometimes you don't you bring up a really good point there the twists and turns because not many of us no matter what we are doing for our career whether it's a mental health professional or a banker a teacher not many of us set out to say i'm going to be this and so often and some people do some somebody might grow up and say well i want to be a fireman and they become one or i want to be a doctor and they become one but I would say most people don't really set out to do a specific thing. It just happens. And maybe it was a person that influenced them or, or a movie that influenced them and they pursued it. But getting there, getting to the end, that all the, the journey and the twists and turns, that can be really hard in, in the moment, but it could actually define us. It could help us become more resilient And I think a lot of times the hardships that we go through make us ready to be the person that we were meant to be in the career choice that we pursued and ended up becoming. We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, this is Ross, the host of Smells Like Humans. Each week, we talk about the curious things that people do. This show is for you when you're in the mood for unscripted, lighthearted conversation, personal stories, and just a smattering of psychology and information you can use. I promise we will make your day pass a little faster and put a smile on your face. Sometimes silly, sometimes serious, but always fun. Please join us because no matter who you are, we all smell like human. Please follow the link in the show notes. Yeah, and I don't know about you, John, but have you ever come across the life fairy <laughs> where you say, you know, anytime you're tempted to make statements like definitive statements about something, I always find there's a life fairy that kind of says, mm, yeah, let's have a think about that. And (laughs) so I've had a couple of experiences of that. When I was at school, my French teacher said to me, how come you're not going to study for your exams in French? And I said, well, because I'd never been out of my hometown at this point. Well, I don't know any French people. I've never been to France. I don't want to go to France and I don't want to learn French. 
And then I met a French guy at university. I got married. I had two French kids and I became a French national. <laughs> so, <laughs> I call it, yeah, it's the life fairy. And anytime I'm tempted to make a definitive statement that this is it, it's always 180 degree the opposite. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Well, we just we just never know where we'll end up. We don't know what the journey is. And sometimes if we knew what the journey was going to be, we may not pursue a certain path. Exactly. So you spent a lot of time, speaking of college and university, you'd spent a lot of time studying, in particular, internal family systems and how that relates to growth and well-being and innovation. Tell me a little bit about, first, what is internal family systems model? And then how do you use that in your practice? Right. So the internal family systems model has really been developing since the early 80s. The originator is a guy called Dr. Richard Schwartz. And the basic idea is that our mind is made up of multiple voices and experiences. So these parts of us that we experience, like our inner critics, maybe like our gut instincts, maybe like the little life fairies that speak to us, you know, the small still voice inside, all of these descriptions that we have in our popular language actually relate to an internal experience that is somehow very real. (laughs) So, you know, we're very often we're having inner conversations with ourselves. And Dick Schwartz essentially realized that If we start to engage with our internal experience, what we realized is that there's almost a cast of characters in there. And those parts of us might be very young parts of us that are still very active in there. There may be slightly older parts. You know, sometimes our inner teenagers come out when we're perhaps feeling a little bit rebellious or we're resisting something. Maybe we also hear the voices of our mother or our father or other influential people. And all of these internal voices kind of relate to one another in predictable ways. So this was really where IFS started to unpack this idea that it's not just random voices and thoughts that we have, but really there's a conversation and a dialogue going on inside. And you know, once we start to engage with that and explore it, what is really central to IFS as well is this idea that all of us have a resource within us, which is called self. And it's usually spelled self with a capital S. And self is this, I mean, you know, in lots of cultures, it, it might be, it might be described in different ways. In IFS, self has these qualities, which are called the eight C's. And those are courage, curiosity, connection, calm, confidence, creativity, compassion, and clarity. And the principle of IFS is that all of us, all of us have access to that. But sometimes it it can take us... You know, depending on what our experiences have been in in life and depending on how active all of our different parts are, that experience of self-energy can get kind of hidden. But it's a little bit like the sunshine behind the clouds. 
So in IFS therapy and using the IFS model, what we're really trying to do is to help our clients to engage with those parts of themselves in a way that allows allows us to experience also those self qualities. So bringing in curiosity, bringing in calmness, bringing in compassion, and then creativity, et cetera, et cetera. So the way in which I use that in my practice, I mean, I do a lot of coaching with psychologists in private practice. And the thing that really strikes me is how demanding on our internal system being in private practice really is. And it's not it's not just the work that we might do supporting our clients, which of course, you know, it it draws on our emotional energy. But often we have, you know, highly trained internal therapist parts that really are highly skilled and they really know how to work with clients and do a really good job. But when it comes to working on our practice and maybe marketing it, maybe writing books, maybe putting blog articles out there, the business elements of it, dealing with money, all of that starts to bring up lots of other parts of ourselves, you know, parts that really worry about money, parts that maybe had parents that taught them how to be really afraid of money, parts that really don't want to be a business person, really struggle with that and what it means to be both a therapist and a business person and you know, really worry about the ethics of that. And so all of this complexity gets brought up by just being in private practice. And IFS is really helpful to supporting therapists to hold space for all of those different parts of us that are impacted. So that's essentially how I'm using IFS in my business. Well, I think I think that's excellent. And I, I think back when I was in private practice and I was in private practice for about 10 years and you brought up a lot of good points that what we're not taught, and I've talked about this in some other episodes too on, on specific mental health marketing, what we're not taught as professional counselors is, is how to run a business because most counselors are not business minded unless they have their undergrad in business a business degree we don't really have a lot of knowledge on finances or marketing or social media and that's all extra and and that's one of the things i think a lot of a lot of people don't realize when you go see a therapist and they're in private practice you don't realize all the extra things that what i call transferable skills that therapists need to be able to know how to do to run a successful business. And I, and I always say that that is really important for you, even if you're not a mental health professional, it's important for you to know that because you, you need to know that, that your therapist might be struggling and might need the extra help from someone like Wendy with their private practice, because if they don't know how to do it well, inevitably the private practice is going to shut down. Yeah. So this is a really key point of my mission with all of this as well, John. It's really great you brought that up because we need mental health practitioners more than ever, right? Absolutely. We need people to to feel confident in running their practices so that the running of the practice is not so emotionally challenging as well. 
So, you know, you talk about how to run a business and you're absolutely right. The learning the business skills is another task that we need to take on when we learn how to run a private practice. What I have found, though, what really strikes me is how much we also need to learn how to be a business person and how that raises so many questions for us in private practice because we have all of these other ethical and social concerns about wanting to be there for our clients. And yeah, it just creates certain amount of tension and that, you know, if we can help people in private practice to feel much more confident, calm, connected, etc. All of, you know, bringing more of these qualities of self and helping them to just feel a lot more space inside so they know when they're working with clients it feels good, they can feel connected. When they're working on their practice, they don't feel so isolated or overwhelmed or de-skilled and, you know, all of that that just adds to the overwhelm bucket. You're exactly right. And it translates into the session. Right. Now, the therapist wouldn't want that. The psychologist wouldn't want that, but it does. I mean, things that happen in our lives, in our environment, it does affect us because we're human beings and we can't, we can't keep the bad things from happening to us. And sometimes they could affect us. And so if your private practice is not going well, you're going to be worried about that. You brought that up earlier. You're going to be worried about that. In the back of your mind, you're thinking, oh my gosh, I, I'm, I'm not doing well here in my practice, but I have to focus on this client in, in session. And it's hard to do that sometimes. But if, if the, the therapist can build their confidence level of the business side of things, it's going to also build the confidence on the therapy side of things. Yeah, I believe that too. I've seen that. And yeah, just thinking about, you know, being in private practice and kind of one of the things that people really say to me when I'm working with them is that, you know, the clients are great. They have loads of ideas. In fact, they have so many ideas about how much more they could help their clients and they just can't find the mental space and they just don't know where to start with it. And from an internal family systems point of view, what happens is that they get stuck on an internal loop. So in IFS, it gets called a polarization. Sometimes maybe in other systemic therapies, it might be a familiar concept. They get stuck on a loop with, I really want to help clients. I have all these great ideas. I feel really overwhelmed. So I'm just going to help the clients, but I really want to help them in a different way. You see what I mean? And that loop can leave people feeling really stuck for years and years. And then gradually the burnout creeps up on them. And it's like, you know, I'm not sure. I don't know if I'm really feeling like I have a mission or a purpose or a meaning and just starts to degrade the experience of working in private practice. And that's just a loss for everyone then. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. And and that does lead to burnout because when when a therapist, especially if they maybe they worked in a company and the company that they worked for as a therapist didn't work out well, maybe it was toxic, maybe it was a bad manager, it didn't work out well. And so then they thought, oh, 
what if, and they were dreaming, what if I start a private practice? Yes, I love that. I'll be my own boss. And so there's a lot of freedom with that. And then they start their private practice or leave their, their company. And then the, the realization hits, oh my goodness, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. And all these problems, because I'm, I'm speaking from experience here. I had a private practice. I had to learn everything on my own and it was stressful at times. Yeah. Like rewriting your website homepage. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So what you are doing, it's a great service and it's called the self-led practice. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So we started to think about, you know, one of the biggest challenges in private practice is also this sense of isolation. I went through that for years and years after I first moved to France and I set up my own business. And, you know, I'm in a tiny little village of 200 people. And the only outlet I had, the only way of connecting with people was going online, which is an amazing facility. But the reality was that it felt I guess with the technology that we had at the time, which was like bulletin boards and things, it was that long ago, it just felt really isolating still. And now we have much better technology. And so with the the self-led practice, we really started thinking about what could we provide to people in private practice that would give them all the benefits of having the freedom of running their own business, but it would still feel like they had a team around them when they needed it. And so we have a combination of group and individual coaching where, you know, with the group coaching, we get together once a month. We help one another with our practices. We kind of share, you know, the joys and the pains and so on. Some individual coaching from, from me from that kind of IFS lens. It's helping people feel like they're more the, the, I call it being the CEO of your inner leadership team. So how are you just kind of managing yourself internally and leading yourself internally? And then we have daily co-working sessions and we start those usually with an IFS guided visualization. So who's showing up today internally? what's impacting us internally, and then just working in sight of one another. So using something as simple as, you know, Zoom technology and just doing a co-working session. And there's something about being able to concentrate on working on something for your private practice. It might be writing an article. I think the deep work session that I did today, I, I basically planned out this podcast. <laughs> you know, I wrote up my notes for the podcast and so on. But the fact that I've got six other people online and when I look up, my colleagues are head down or maybe they're just having a little thing and kind a of look out of the window and it just feels far less isolated than if I was in my room looking at my walls the same every day. So the co-working sessions, and then we have a resource library that we're building, which is about helping people to manage the transitions that happen in our private practice. So walk, going into the office in the morning is a transition, transitioning between clients, 
transitioning from working with clients to working on our practice and then transitioning out of our practice at the end of the day. And we've been having a lot of fun going around really beautiful parts of Southwest France and doing beautiful nature videos <laughs> and guided visualizations. You know, there's something really gorgeous about, you know, I've been taking walks through kind of beautiful mountain forest trails and, you know, just that sound of footsteps on the pine needles and the birds in the trees and the wind and the cowbells in the distance. (laughs) And even just five minutes like that with a little bit of guided reflection is enough to just help us get some more of that self-energy on a regular basis through the day. So that's kind of the concept that that is the self-led practice, trying to bring that experience into our independent private practices. Well, that's fantastic. So is the self-led practice only for psychologists there locally where you're at, or is it also virtually online? It's all virtual online, yeah. So we have clients currently mostly in the UK, different parts of the UK. And I think, you know, as we look to kind of grow that business as well, we'll look into seeing how we can support people that are in different time zones and so on. But it's it's very easy to kind of to support people in different parts of the world, to be quite honest. So, yeah, that's what we're planning to do. Well, that's fantastic. And so if someone's listening to this and maybe they have a private practice or maybe they're getting ready to start one, how could someone reach out to you and learn more about what you do? Yeah, so our website is at inspiringpsychologypractices.com. And you'll see on there, there's a tab for the self-led practice and you can find out some more on there as well as the IFS-based coaching that I do and so on. Well, Wendy, that was fantastic. I think that you offer a very, very good and important service to mental health professionals who are in private practice or who are considering private practice. It can be very isolating. And so what you offer is an important service, not just to the practitioner, but also to the clients because a healthy practitioner creates a healthy environment for the therapy practice. And that is very, very important, as you mentioned. So make sure you go on the website. I'll I'll have it on the show notes. So so if you're interested, go there and you'll be able to see it and visit the website. So Wendy, before I let you go, something I ask all of my guests is about self-care. I talk a lot about self-care and the importance of it. What are some things that you do for self-care? So my greatest self-care is walking my dogs. (laughs) I have an older dog now. So one of my dogs is nine and a half years old. So she's my girl. So like going walking with my girl, like with my best friend is, you know, every morning is awesome. (laughs) I tell her a lot of things like, you know, she's a really great listener as well. And she really, she really gets me. And then we have a little puppy who is now six and a half months old. And he is just full of the joy of the world. (laughs) And so, you know, seeing him experiencing and exploring things 
for the first time is like looking at the world with new eyes. So I feel really refreshed <laughs> every time. <laughs> and, and they're Australian shepherd dogs. So you don't get away with not going out for a great walk every morning. <laughs> Fantastic. So you get your, your exercise in as well. Yeah. That's great. Well, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your insights and the service that you do. I really appreciate you and what you do for the greater good of the mental health community. Well, thank you so much, John. And it's really been a pleasure to speak with you today. And also, you know, I love what you do also for our community of therapists because you're you're always out there connecting us and also really supportive in this community. So that's awesome as well. Thank you very much. Yeah, for those who are listening and, and maybe don't know what Wendy is talking about, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn specifically to bring other mental health professionals together. And I'm working on a mental health community ecosystem. I call it an ecosystem because I am wanting to create this community of other mental health professionals to connect because it is an isolating profession. And we want to utilize the, the internet as a way of shortening the gap, if you will, in reaching across uh, the world in bringing the entire mental health community together. And so thank you, Wendy, for that. I appreciate that. Well, I want to thank all of you for listening as well. And if you're interested, if you're a mental health professional, make sure you check out the website and look into the self-led practice. If you are not a mental health professional, but you're wanting to learn more about internal family systems, I'm sure there's information there for you as well. Thank you so much. And I want you to continue to work on your mental health. And remember, the Mental Health Today show has been championing your mental health since 2015. Take care. Bye-bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.